And welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing this uh, Sunday night? We're back on Sunday night. Yeah, back on Sunday night, but then next week we're going to be back again on Tuesday night because it's Easter next Sunday and I heard of it. I want to stay married. I'm sure you want to stay married. So, yes. um, You know, so that's. so, so, so that's why we won't be on next next Sunday, but we'll be back on next Tuesday night, and then hopefully from here on out for the stretch we can do Sundays. Um, yeah, I mean we just, we we appreciate the people being patient with us uh, with our schedule and uh, you know everything that is going on. Uh, life sometimes interrupts Calcio. Uh, Always believe it or not. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, can't complain. Kind of got the spring fever going, got the spring stuff outside under the patio, put the snow blower away, you know, hoping it's hoping it hoping I hoping it's clear sails. Wait, um, so you're putting away snow blowers and I'm mowing my grass today. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any grass to mow yet, so it's That's all still enough. nasty. Fair Johnny enough. V, Frank wearing that shirt. Must feel a little heavy. Nah, I, you know, hey, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I've been through enough, uh, you know, highs and enough lows, uh, you know, supporting a team, uh, you know, in any sport for that matter. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, you know, game ends. And, 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 and we've been saying this for years. I've been saying this to you for years, Richard. I, game's over with. You got five minutes after it's over with to to be pissed off, to break something tasteful, to, you know, to do this, to do that. You know, after that, get on with your life. So just kind of how I go by doing things. Miguel's in the house. Man, we got some people here, man. Summer, Summer Al-Fahad is here. Must Michael Lisi, Johnny V, know. Milano Miguel. Um, they, all, they, they all show up when we actually have a guest because they're tired of hearing us talk. <laughs> Probably. So, and, uh, you know, this gentleman actually earned his first cap this season. Uh, and he did so well that we needed to bring him back quickly. Uh, so he is back with us for cap number two, all the way from Sydney, Australia. Uh, inter-worldwide and football worldwide, we welcome Anthony Privatera. Ciao, Anthony. Grazie, Frank. Grazie, Richard. It's great to be back here. Great to see some people in the chat as well. Shout out to Sama and Milano Miguel. It's good to see you, boys. But um, I'm here to talk culture with you two gentlemen, and there's nothing I'd rather do right now at 11 a.m. on the first day of school holidays in Sydney. Go, go, go. <laughs> see, Anthony, the, I mean, I'm already, the, the chat's blowing up. They're here for you. They could care less who we are. That's right. <laughs> and we got to show up here every week. I think we need to just get Anthony on here every week. There you go. <laughs> He's bringing the people, man. So he's bringing the people. Good to good to have you back with us. Yes, uh, you know, why don't we uh, just take this quick minute to have you put yourself over? I'm stealing Vinny's words, and I'm stealing some wrestling slang. Uh, but uh, just kind of give us an update on what you're up to on the Calcio side of things. Not too much, but still a lot. On Inter Worldwide, we we put out about three, four videos a week, uh, maybe usually just match previews, reviews, and also reactionary videos videos and special pieces. We do a lot of collaborating with um, the great Uncle Sharma 
as well. Uh, you can also find another one of our side platforms, Football Worldwide, which is growing, which I do a Serie A roundtable on once a week, which Richard was a very nice guest on at the start of the season. And yeah, just pretty much using my spare time and time as a hobby to veer away from the bad things and superficial things in life and only spend it focusing on connecting with cultural people around the world because, you know, that's where the passion is and that's where the fun is at. I love doing it. So once again, thanks for having me on today. I'm buzzing. Yeah, and thanks for that invite to football football worldwide. Right by the way, for the uh, Serie A roundtable, I, I must my mine must have got lost in the mail, Richard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I stole it. Oh, you stole it. Okay. <laughs> so you pulled double duty while I was that while I had no idea this was going on. All right. <laughs> so I see how it is. So, <laughs> oh man, but no, good to have you. Good to have you with us. Okay, so uh, what we're going to do with this podcast. Um, we're just going to whip right through match week 32, uh, the nine games that were played, the game that's got to be played tomorrow. Um, we will, uh, you know, we'll start as obviously breaking down Inter's performance against Hellas Verona with our esteemed guest, what he saw, what he liked, what, uh, gives him cause for concern. Not too much to hate if you're an Inter supporter after this yeah. weekend to be all, you know, in all honesty. So, uh, so we'll get into all of that. Um, we will also uh, touch a little bit on, uh, you know, Atalanta still alive in the uh, Europa League. They uh, came away with a 1-1 draw in Leipzig, the return match on Thursday. Um, and as we have been saying for weeks, and I think as everybody's figuring out and evident of in their performance against Sassuolo today or lack thereof, they're all in on Europa League. So we'll talk about that and we'll finish up with the world's most popular hashtag game, who won Calcio Twitter. So... Without further ado, Richard, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, batch them up for us, man. Right on. All right, so starting things off, uh, Empoli Spezia, relegation six-pointer, big game there that unfortunately had no goals in it. 0-0 that game ended. Uh, it still was entertaining, though. Uh, Anthony's boys enter hosting Hellas. Uh, game started with a beautiful goal in the 22nd minute with Barella. Nice assist by Perisic. Uh, just before that, Montipo had a great save on Perisic. It was, you know, Perisic getting a little bit of revenge on there. Uh, and then in the 30th minute, Jekka with a nice goal. 2-0. Inter got all the goals needed in the first half. 2-0 winners in this one. Uh, putting pressure on both Napoli and Milan. Moving on to Cagliari hosting Juventus. Uh, goal scoring was starting the 10th minute. Jao Pedro with a wonderful goal. Goal of the week candidate there. Uh, Delict would get one back in the 45th minute. Nice header, nice play by Cuadrado, really, to assist that. Uh, and then Vlahovic with the game-winning goal in the 75th. 2-1, Juventus win that one. Genoa hosting Lazio. Goal story started early with a goal of the week candidate by Marosic. Uh, nice move down the left-hand flank, scoring past far corner. 31st minute, 1-0 there. Immobile would get a goal just before halftime. Uh, would get two more goals in the 63rd and 76th minute. Patrick would have an own goal, a consolation goal for Genoa. It didn't matter. All Lazio all the time. Four to one victors in that one on the road. One of the big games of the weekend, probably the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, Napoli hosting Fiorentina. Uh, this is not so pretty if you're a Napoli fan. Uh, goal scoring started first in the 29th minute by Nico Gonzalez. One nothing at that point. Uh, Mertens would draw back in the 58th, making one one. Icone, we've been talking about him all season long, and or since he joined Fiorentina. Uh, makes it 2-1 to one in the 66. Cabral with the goal of the week candidate, possibly goal of the week uh, in the 72nd, just embarrassing uh, Labotka in the process. And then mm-hmm. Ostiman will get a consolation, all for not 3-2 Fiorentina, big three points at Napoli. Moving on, Sassuolo-Atalanta. What the heck is going on with Atalanta these days? Uh, 
Peter Traore is what happened this weekend. Two goals in the 24th and 61st minute. Again, another late consolation goal that Sassuolo gives up and Atalanta scores. Uh, Muriel, all for not two to one. Sassuolo won in uh, this one. Uh, another, I don't know if you want to call it a relegation six pointer, but a big game for Venezia hosting Udinese. Uh, unfortunately, a penalty is not the way to start things off. Delafeo converts in the 35th minute. Uh, and then Henri with a nice volley in the 86. It took almost the whole game to tie the game up. They thought they had a point. Not so fast. Bacow and and stoppage time would get the game winner. At insult to injury, Udinese wins two to one. Roma happy that they're not playing Bodo Glimp this weekend. Uh, Hosi Salernitana goal scoring though would start early, and they had flashes of the European uh, Conference League game. Radovanovic with one of the goals of the week in the twenty second minute off a free kick. Wonderful screamer past that, uh, but. You know, that would not stop. There were screamers all game long, really. Uh, 80, uh, 82nd minute, Perez would notch one up with a beautiful goal himself, make it 1-1. Chris Smalling, back door, getting the uh, nice cross in from the, uh, I forget who was, got the assist, the Pellegrini, I think, got the assist. Regardless, 2-1, Roma steals the victory late in the game. Big victory for them. And then Milan continued to struggle. This time at Torino, uh, not much really creativity on the offensive end. Uh, Leao really poor. The team not really great. Magnon really had to make some big saves in this one. Uh, zero, zero. No goals in this one, uh, gentlemen. Let's start it into, though, Frank. Um, the uh, reigning champions continue to put pressure on the top two, and uh, the top two are folding. Exactly. Um, and uh, we talked about... This game being potentially, I mean, after they went on the road and won at Juventus, we talked about this this potentially being a trap game for Inter because Hellas Verona is good enough to bother just about anybody in this league. Um, and Inter were efficient would probably be the best way I would describe it. I know that our guest probably can, you know, weigh in a little bit better than I can. Um, you know, from what I saw, that's a fair description of, of, of how they played. They certainly, uh, you know, the possession in terms of on the ball was, was even, but Inter certainly made a heck of a lot more uh, of what they had and certainly were far more effective going forward than Hellas Verona was, um, you know, still some chances, uh, you know, for the visitors, but ultimately this was Inter's game. They, they won it and they, they won it quite comfortably, Anthony. It was really good to see us get early goals because we've really struggled with that of late and we've struggled to put to it together fluid performances where we've just looked like the better side. And this dates back to December where we were beating teams like Venezia in the last minute and winning games where we weren't performing well. You know, the, the bad patch of form came well before the bad patch of results in February, but I'll, I'll never sit here and blame this inter side for the February that we had. It was a month from hell. No team in Europe, I think bar one or two sides would have been able to cope with what we dealt with fixture-wise and congestion-wise in February. But that's okay. That's what comes with being at that point of the season and still being in every competition. You're either in it for the hard stretch or you're not in it at all. So pick and choose. Um, being able to come back and win a couple of games on the bounce here is important for us because a couple of weeks ago, I, I was very ready to consider us out of the race. And, you know, people were saying, you know, that's crazy. That's really pessimistic. But for me personally, we were on that brink where you lose one more result and it's bad. It's really bad. And it just so happened that next game was a trip to Turin to face Juventus, which the last time we won was under Stramaccioni. So the pessimism was real. Uh, we managed to grind that result out to, um, against Juventus. I had no doubt that we would beat Hellas Verona. 
Uh, now the tough games start after this, but for this game personally, without um, having to go too deep into it, we controlled the game early on. Perisic had another world-class performance where it's a no-brainer now. Yeah. Sign him for another two years. Give him another million pay rise if you need to. It's 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 a problem that you don't need to solve by having the solution right there in the dressing room to go. Um, having Brozovic back to play in the midfield three is so much easier when you don't need to start the likes of Arturo Vidal from the start of the match. And he, he only needs to come on to do his little cameo at the end. Um, important to also note that Stefan de Vrij, who has featured rarely in the back end of the season due to injury, went off at half-time again. His inter-career is pretty much over um, from a fan point of view and from a neutral point of view. I, I would encourage mm. people to believe that as well because he's had a lot going on in the back room this season uh, in terms of his personal life and getting player-agent contracts sorted and some sort of lawsuit as well, which is not for us to say. You know, We have no idea what these athletes go through in the back room. They're still human beings, but his performances have been subpar. It's a far cry from the defender who won Defender of the Year under Antonio Conte in Serie A. Um, so he's definitely on his way out. It just so happens that, you know, if he's going to keep putting in um, really dodgy looking performances like this, his price tag might go down from a 25-ish to like a 15, 17 and a half-ish. And that's an absolute steal for a guy of his caliber. And I have no doubt for a second that if Antonio Conte is staying at Spurs next season, that uh, De Vrij will get his Premier League stint that he wants. But overall, it was good to see Correa get minutes, even though he wasn't very influential. Um, Lautaro Martinez missed this particular match through suspension. He will be back to start against Spezia and he has absolutely no excuses now to not get on the score sheet. He will be fresh. Our attack has been a little bit of an issue in the back end this season. It's good to see Jekyll get on the score sheet. Um, a couple of people have said this in the inter-community. I wish I had Eden Jekyll's confidence at his age because the way he tries to beat players and dance through defenders, and yeah. one of them actually came off spectacularly on the weekend against Verona yeah. where he cut through two of their players. I think one of them was Gunter as yeah. well. Um, and yeah, he just yeah, he misplaced the shot, but it, it was really nice. It was like seeing a veteran ballerina dancing on ice. But overall, it's really good to get the win because I didn't expect to have a... Uh, a Sunday, uh, sorry, a Monday morning where the other two sides that I'm sure we'll speak about drop points. So from this point in, it's anybody's ball game. I would not even say there is a favorite. Uh, I'm really thinking that any of the first, second or third place sides can grind it out till the end. Anthony, I saw a bunch of Interisi uh, this, in this first half, at least at halftime, saying that this was the best performance they've seen probably all season long. One of the best performances. Did you feel that same way? Obviously, two goals is always great to, to do. And Barella getting him, getting scored, and it was a wonderful goal by mm -hmm. him. Did you agree by that performance, how, how good it was? Or did you think it was just, you know, just sufficient, pretty good? It's it's against Hellas Verona, who, as Frank said, will give any team struggles this season. But if you're planning to go and win the Scudetto from match day 31 onwards, you have to beat that team at home, which we did. So I, I saw it more of a routine win that the reigning champions and um, title challengers really wanted to go for rather than a really spectacular performance because, you know, you've got to take into account we've had really good performances uh, this season against Liverpool, for example. We've had a couple of games in Serie A, like our first half against Roma, where we were up 3-0 as well. So I, don't, I wouldn't say it's the best performance of the season, but it was definitely up there in terms of, as you know, as you said, efficiency. That was just, it was a regular routine game where we put the game to bed by halftime and we only had to play in second gear for the second half. We afforded to give them a couple of chances. Handanovic had a really good save just before halftime. But other than that, we kept uh, Simeone quiet, or should I say Skriniar kept uh, Simeone quiet. And that's Vlahovic and, Skri and Simeone back-to-back. -back. Skriniar is just having a hell of a season. Me personally, I hope he's our next captain that comes through because um, Handanovic is going to start on the bench most likely for most games next season. So we'll see what happens there. Going to be hard to leave Skriniar off the team of this. I, I, think, I think personally, you know, 
I've watched a I've, I've watched a number of Inter games this season. I, I don't think this was their best performance against Hellas here against Hellas Verona. This was a like I said, I I, I found it to be efficient. You yep. know, I think some of the some of the performance that they that they had in the first half of the season where they were thrashing teams and and I get it, they were thrashing bottom half sides, but they were still thrashing them. I mean, ask you know. Milan went to Salernitana and drew 2-2. Inter went and beat them 5-0. Yep. Okay, so I thought some of the performances from watching Inter in those games were definitely more impressive. I could even argue to say that 180 minutes against Liverpool might have been a tick more impressive than what I watched yeah. here against Hellas Verona. I think this was, okay, get the lead, can play comfortably the rest of the way. It was it was efficient. Um, you know, it's not – it was not – I mean, and it certainly wasn't a laggy ball because they were pressing for more chances. There was 18 yeah. shots here, yeah. uh, you know, a number of chances on targets. They certainly could have stretched this to three or four and nil. But, you know, it, it was a game where Inter never looked threatened, uh, right. you know, really for me at any point. Um, and when you're performing like that, and I think that the, when they were having their dips in form, they were conceding goals um, and they were struggling to, you know, they were kind of struggling to cope with it. You know, the, the dip that you were talking about where the results followed shortly, Anthony. Now, you know, they beat Juve that is frontlined by Dusan Vlaovic. You know, they, they they keep them out of goal. They keep Hellas Verona out of goal with a Giovanni Simeone, who, oh, by the way, is I think in the teens and goals this year. So, yes. you know, this is only going to continue to give them confidence as they as they go forward that this is this is a way they can play. Um, and get through the rest of this schedule and put themselves in a position to win the Scudetto and go back to back. Because when I look at this, I, I look at the teams, I look at Inter's remaining schedule. Um, I mean, if they can keep Vlaovic and uh, Simeone under control, they got Spezia on Friday. They they shouldn't have it. They shouldn't have trouble with Spezia. Uh, you know, Roma. Uh, you know, with what they can throw up front. I mean, that might be their stiffest challenge the rest of the way. Um, you know, Udinese, they have to deal with Beto a little bit. But I think that from an attack perspective, you know, it's it can be argued that Inter probably just dealt with, from a talent standpoint, the two best teams they're going to see the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, go ahead, please. Are you sure? Yeah, Roma's Roma's <laughs> going to give him Roma's going to give him a push, okay? But the way Inter, Roma will, way, Roma will I mean, give us a hard time. The thing is, we have got Thiago Motta and Jose Mourinho in the next th- in the next couple of games, man. So if there's anyone that's going to roll over and die and give us a, give us a real walk in, it's going to be these two dudes. But what I was going to say is that I think we're at the point in the season where the further Inter uh, goes on winning. Um, well, the further Inter goes on, I think the better that they're going to get. I think we've been through our purple patch. Now, I really think the Spezia and the Roma games shape the rest of the season for us. If somehow we get six points out of these two games, we will play our game in hand in Bologna, knowing too well that yeah. we can end up on top in the final stretch. And I think that's very important going into the last few games, playing the likes of Cagliari and Udinese and Sampdoria team, who all three, bar Cagliari, you assume will be safe. Cagliari, I really don't know. I really don't, don't, do not know. But um, I think those are three games that Inter will be able to narrow in on closely. It's just we're at that point where there's so few games left and there's no points that separate the teams at top. One slip changes the physical and mental momentum completely. So Spezia looks to be the easiest of the bunch. But then again, for you boys, so did Bologna 
Um, and now with dropped point, all of us have dropped silly points throughout the season. And I imagine that all three are going to drop some silly points again towards the end. We've got a very tough week where we play Roma and then we play you guys in the Coppa only three days apart. And then we have to go down and play our catch-up game against Bologna after that with the regular Serie A fixtures still coming up. It's going to be very tough. Um, I hope Simone Inzaghi is really, really glued to his drawing board and knows what sort of rotations he's going to be doing. But I'm excited. I'm excited because, as you guys should be excited as well, we know that both of our teams are going to qualify for the Champions League next season. And it's nice to have that sort of sustainability and that contentment knowing that, hey, we wrap this. We sort of wrap this qualification up really early on, and while the title sort of seems like the be all and end all for all of us, on the surface, it really only matters to sustain yourself from an economic point of view at the moment. Both of our sides will be able to do that come the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you talk let about. Me, let me. Oh, oh ahead, sorry. Please. Let me jump in. I think. I think one other spot of trouble for Inter will be at Udinese as well. Udinese is another mm. one of these just aggravating teams to play against. Yeah. They've got a style. Love Beto. Love yeah. Beto. Isn't he great? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think they've got some they've, – they've got a couple of midfielders in there, Makengo, um, and, I'm, and it's escaping me, the other guy that, that, that will get in there and they will be willing to get into a fight for 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, and not allow, not allow you to give stuff up and then can, can hit you on the break, whether it's Beto and then Delefeu running off of him in all different directions. It's it's a lot. It, it's something that they might have to potentially deal with. And where Udinese can be a frustration for Inter is I, I see that being a game. If there's one as a non-Inter supporter, you know, watching Inter, um, and I don't, I really don't watch any team in Serie A with blind hatred as a as a Milan supporter. I try to objectively watch everybody. If there's one thing that I think interestingly enough that Inter struggle with is games where they have possession for large periods of time. Okay. Games where they've got numbers forward, they've got, you know, I've seen them historically struggle with that and then get beaten on counterattacks or get beaten in moments where they drop their concentration and they give up the odd goals. Spezia, and Udinese in away fixtures are not are, are going to be more than happy to let Inter have the ball and see if they can beat them that way. Mourinho may even do it with Roma. So, but those of all the remaining games, those are really the only games where I could see Inter potentially dropping any points from here on out. I think so. I think so. It's once again. It, psychologically, I think the table can shift in any direction. Um, it's going to be huge to see how you guys and Napoli react next week. I'm very, yeah. very curious to see yeah. how Napoli react next week because today's loss to Fiorentina, I wouldn't say they've completely dropped the ball, but that's going to be a tough one to recover from, in my opinion. With us going forward, like, as I said, if you can, and I would agree with Frank, you know, um, Spezia was the last game to put a halt in our Scudetto train last season. We were never going to lose it, but we were two games away from winning it. We went to Spezia and we played horrendously. They gave us the ball. They low blocked us out for 94 minutes. It was 1-1. We had a chance right on the final whistle, I think, with D'Ambrosio or Hakimi to win it, but we didn't. But that was the game that delayed our Scudetto push. And that was Conte with a full team going forward for it. So I have no doubt that Thiago Motta and his terrorism is coming to play us um, next week. But I don't know about you boys, but this season, last six games, it still feels like there's 16 still to go. The end of the season yeah. still feels so far away. And that's what comes with having a league that's so tightly congested. 
I know it's a little bit of a bragging point against the, some of the other leagues, but realistically, it's actually because the state of Serie A and Italian football is so, so poor that everyone is really just congested together in a really entertaining sort of league. But I love seeing it. And I'm just very surprised at some of the form of, of the other sides, you know, even outside of the top four, which I'm sure you guys will get to. But in terms of Inter, I think that we've now done enough after the Juventus win to put us in a Scudetto race to the point where we will be sure. there on match day 37, 38. And that's all I wanted. We had our really crappy dip in form. And for me, the thing that pissed me off the most was that I said, yeah, we might not be playing like a Scudetto winning side, but in context to this league, we're too good to drop out of the Scudetto race at match day 31 just by losing in Turin to Juventus. I won't be able to handle it. So <laughs> getting those six points back to back and making sure we're there at the end of the season, it boasts more for the boys in the dressing room going, Going into next season as it will for Milan as it will for Napoli if these boys can get themselves still within striking distance on match day yeah. 37 38 you can carry that into next season and say we were title contenders it's a much bigger thing than saying we were dumped out and our season finished in early April late March absolutely absolutely and this is and this is like you know I mean the Masters completed today golf's one of golf's biggest tournaments so none of these teams play each other the rest of the way, except, you know, Milan and Inter play, but they're playing in the Copa. Um, so it's almost like we have three, <laughs> you know, it's it's basically the last, you're, we're, we're playing the last nine or in this case, the last six holes on a Sunday of a major tournament where, you know, yeah, you got to score, you're going to scoreboard watch a little bit to see how everybody's doing, but you have, you better go and get yours <laughs> in each game. Uh, you yep. better go and take care of business. So, um, you know, it's it's fascinating in that regard. I'd love to see, you know, you, you kind of wish that these teams could have, you know, have one more go against each other just to to make it look more legit. But at the same time, and I also say that because Milan has been most successful against the top six teams. So we'd love to have a we'd love to have another go against everybody. Um, at least I think still think that's the case point wise. But um, I think that in itself is going to be fascinating. Everybody, it's just, you know, can't worry about what the other teams are going to do. We're just going to have to go out and get ours, you know, and then after that, we can sit back and say, okay, how did Inter do? How did, how did Napoli do, you know, or yeah. So yeah. one team who didn't do that, Napoli uh, mm. game against Fiorentina. Fiorentina are a bogey team for them. And Fiorentina is a decent team, right? Uh, Vincenzo Italiano has yep. been doing masterful with them, but you know, Nico Gonzalez punches them in the mouth early you know, Napoli do fight back in this one, but Fiorentina just had their number in this one. The 3-2 victories, uh, victory, I should say, for Fiorentina. I think many people thought it could have been at least a draw on this one because Fiorentina can play dangerously. But 3-2, I mean, I don't think Napoli or other supporters were expecting that, uh, you know, especially with the win the week prior where they kind of made that statement saying, hey, we are going to be uh, in the Scudetto race. And then they pull up, pull up with this game against Fiorentina. How much do you think of it? You, th you mentioned this before, Anthony. You don't think it's much of a setback, but I guess next week we'll really find out what Napoli's made of, right? I knew this game was going to be really tricky for them, but at the end of the day, they were mm -hmm. home. So they should have been able to get a point because at this point of the season, every single point counts. This is not going to be separated by too many points at the end mm -hmm. of the season. Draws are still like gold and... Um, Fiorentina is a tough team. Like when you look at the fixtures they had remaining, this is definitely one of the harder games. For them to lose and drop this game... Uh, it, it is going to shake them up. 
And they're going to have to come back really, really well. But just on a side note, this Fiorentina side under Vincenzo Italiano since losing um, Vlaovic has been absolutely awesome. I love uh, Nico Gonzalez. I think he's had an awesome season. And I remember watching him last season playing against Inter and going, maybe this guy will have an even better season next season and everyone will start talking about him. I think he's had that season. So I can't wait to see him go next season. And this is the sort of progression that you want to see from a player in Serie A. I hope he stays with Fiorentina because I reckon this guy's got a really big year coming up next year. So big ups to them. I think they're really like, I think they're only two points off a UEFA conference league spot. So Fiorentina will really, really want to go for that. I reckon that Napoli next week, they're on that little tilting point now because they don't have the head-to-head over any Inter or Milan. If they end up on the same points at the end of the season with any of Inter or Milan, they will lose the Scudetto. So at this point of the season, now realistically, they're almost two games behind if you're ahead of them by a whole game. It's just going to be very tough, boys. And I think that next week, they've got Roma at home. They need to muscle Mourinho's men out of that game. <laughs> Here comes Chris with his Roman agenda, just like he did in my, on my other channel. <laughs> oh, I love Chris. <laughs> Oh, Frank, what you got on this game? Okay, so right now, how can you beat Napoli? You beat him with width. Um, You beat him with width. You beat him because you got Mario Rui, who obviously is excellent, provides really good service going forward, but defensively is a liability. And you have young Alessandro Zanoli on the right-hand side in place of Di Lorenzo. So you beat him with width. Fiorentina plays with a ton of width. Um, With... Gonzalez, um, you know, they had Sapunara kind of, yeah, he was on the left, but he was kind of narrow because Bragi was coming forward. So there was a lot going on there, you know, to confuse the kid on the right-hand side. You had Castrovilli linking mm-hmm. up, um, you know, you had Cabral who, you, you know, is the forward in this situation. Um, Venuti's not a guy that ventures forward on the right-hand side as much. So that gives Gonzalez a lot of freedom to stay high. Um, so, but Fiorentina possessed a ton of it, and it's the way Vincenzo Italiano plays. You look at the rest of Napoli's schedule, and who else plays with width? Torino plays with width, yeah. uh, with two wingbacks. Um, Sassuolo plays with width, especially in the forward positions with Traore and Berardi. Traore's having an excellent season. Berardi's having yeah. an excellent season. Yeah. So I just I look at it from a matchup standpoint for Napoli, and they're the team out of the three that I feel as we go – might just slip a little bit further off the pace because anyone that watched this, and we talked about this last week on the podcast, and we talked, we might have titled that Napoli made a, made a Scudetto statement, but at the same time, we also said, okay, probably impressed with the result for Napoli. Um, you know, not, not impressed with the result, but it was an efficient performance and Spalletti simplified things and, uh, you, you know, and they, they, they beat an Atalanta team that was struggling. Well, now they're playing a Fiorentina team that, you know, and Anthony alluded to it, have a ton to play for right now. They're in seventh. They're in the Conference League place. Yeah. And they have a game in hand on sixth, which is uh, Lazio, I think. And if they can win that, they're sitting in the European places. I I picked them to finish sixth. So um, I'm, Good I'm loving this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm loving what I'm seeing with this. Uh, so... Napoli are going to struggle with teams that stretch them. Um, and, you know, they're going to have to figure out how to how to cope with that. If they expect to, you know, 
be in position to try to win a Scudetto here at the end of the season. I think just because of some of the matchups and some of the things that they're going to be faced with between now and then, I think they're the odd team out. They will be the first one to fall back of the pace out of these three teams. Yeah, and it's it's great. I mean, they have the talent to compete. They have the talent to win the league. But, you know, Spalletti, uh, you know, for the great stuff that he does, and and Anthony knows this one at Simon Inter, he does, sometimes doesn't change all the time like he needs to. He doesn't adapt when he needs to. And, you know, sometimes in game he can do it a little bit here and there. But you know, when he sees other teams are seeing that, you know, why they can get him take advantage of them, you know, you would hope that he would be able to adjust here, especially with some teams coming down the down the down the stretch that can play them wide. Can he adapt to it? Because if he can, then Napoli are fine. But I don't have the confidence that they're going to be able to adapt or or Spalletti's been able to adapt this kind of style of play the way De Vincenzo Tilliano came out in this one, Anthony, you know, you have, you, you, you know, Spalletti more than any of us, really. Do you think he has the capability? I mean, obviously it's a capability, but do you think he will be able to adjust coming down the stretch with these teams that do play him wide? Pretty much what you said. He's got, not only does he have the capability, he's got the personnel in this side to take a couple of gambles going into the back end of the season. You know, these stacks, I still think Drias Mertens should be getting a few more minutes, um, even though, you know, we've still got a preference to start Lorenzo Insigne in the city. I'm actually quite amazed that Insigne has been able to maintain as many minutes as he had after making, making that really bizarre signing for Toronto right in the peak of a Scudetto yeah. challenging season. It's bizarre. I'm a huge fan of Chucky Lozano. When he's on, they're on as well. Matteo Politano is a fantastic option for them they've got their players and on their day Zielinski and Elmas they're really really good they're good players and I just think that their fixture list over the next two or three games is very tough these next two or three games are going to shape Napoli just as much as they shape uh, Milan and Inter they've got Mm. a tough run of games coming up with the Roma, Empoli and Sassuolo and Torino games back to back I think it is I'm not too sure maybe I got one of those wrong but at the end of the season it gets slightly easier for them. So if they can still be in it around match day 36, 37, maybe they won't be the ones to drop off. But if there is a period of time where you can count Napoli out, it's going to happen over the next two or three match days. And it's going to be sad in a way if it does happen. I'm still rooting for Spalletti in a way because I, I definitely remember his time at Inter. He was very reluctant to play out of that double pivot with um, Vecino and Gagliardini or Vecino and Brozovic. And it was bad. It was very, very bad a lot of the time. You know, we used to call mm. it cross and inshallah. It was Perisic to Icardi or Politano to Icardi. And Politano's crossing game isn't even his strong point. So it yeah. wasn't good, but um, Spalletti is still doing a great job. The Napoli fans, all the Napoli fans that I speak to know that returning to the Champions League really is the main goal for them this season. If they fall short in a Scudetto race in the back end of the season, they'll be upset, but not for too long. Yeah, I agree. Great question in the chat. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about Napoli and you know, because they're in a Scudetto race, but Vincenzo Italiano, what he did in this game, you know, really to kind of upset this game. Um He's doing a masterful job as a manager. He's obviously going to be in the contention of manager of the year with the, the, what the work he's doing at Fiorentina. Thoughts on him as potential future uh, Italian coach? Obviously, Mancini's there right now, but you know, once he leaves, uh, you know, the possibility of Italiano as the Italiano manager. Uh, Frank, what are your thoughts on the on that question? I'm actually worried he could go to Juventus first. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's at Fiorentina, so yeah, it's possible. Yeah, uh, you know, because I mean, you, you, you we, we, I, I've been speaking about a, a need for a cult, a change in culture at Juventus, and Vincenzo Italiano would be the ideal guy 
for them. Um, if you want a culture change and if you want to get into the attacking football and Hey, didn't he just make the best use of Dusan Blaovic's talents for the first half of the season? And can you imagine lining up Chiesa, um, and for now Quadrado to the yeah, right goodness. in a, in a four, three, three, you know, if they bring back Kulishevsky from loan, um, you know, if, if Bernardeschi can ever figure it out playing for club, um, you know, what he has at his disposal to make that hum. I'm just, and I, you know, obviously I'm leaving a notable name out, Dybala. I don't think Dybala's back after this season. Who knows where he goes? I've watched enough games to know that Dybala is, and I'm, dripped, I'm drifting now. I've watched enough games to know that Dybala is not worth the money that he's asking for. Um, but anyway, um, that would be, you know, Italiano would be the ideal guy to change the way Juventus plays and have it be effective and have it see immediate results. Now, as far as the Italian national team, um, I guess I like what Roberto Mancini has done too much to think of anybody else as Italy manager for now. Sure. Um, can Italiano do it? Sure. Um, Could you he know, turn Kamaka into Vlahovic if he had the opportunity? <laughs> Question. Or Raspadori. Um, so I think he'd have the ability. I think his system would work. I mean, if he was Mancini's successor, it would be a smooth transition. They play the same formation. You know, there would just be a little bit of a shift in how Italiano do, does things. Mancini likes to rely on the midfield bossing things, uh, where – is especially with Verratti kind of getting into the half spaces as we talked about. Italiano wants wing play, so you'd you'd have to make that you'd have to make that adjustment for Italiano to be successful as Italy coach. But you know the foundation would be in place for him to be successful if it happened. So yeah, Anthony, what are your thoughts? I think it'd be a great choice um, for Italy manager, but that's only because I'm in a position now where I'd give any, I'd almost give any young young manager or fresh manager on the scene a chance with this side. Um, what happened to us not qualifying for the World Cup? And I watched your guys' reaction. I watched everyone's reaction from it. it it's it's still unbelievable. Um, I know it's not a good look this World Cup in general. There's plenty wrong with it, but just not to be there again, it just really speaks volumes about that. And you tell you couple that up with not having a single side in the quarterfinals of the round of six, uh, past the round of 16 in the Champions League. It's really not a good look for Serie A at the moment. So any, any young dynamic coach who's willing to be flexible and versatile with his ideas, which Italiano definitely suits the profile, I think it'd be a great selection after Mancini. However, I don't see the FIGC making those sort of appointments. I think I already know who's next in line after Mancini, and you're probably looking at a late spell for Ancelotti or another spell for Conte at some point in their careers. I don't doubt for a second that we will go with traditional names, even for the next few tournaments coming up. Um, I could be very, very wrong. I just... I it would go against everything that they've done to go and hand and give a young manager the reins and say, do what you need to do with what is a young and still very, very youthful yeah. looking side. If you have a young coach that's going to make those sort of decisions, the two go hand in hand. But big ups to him for what he's done and handling that that transfer mid-season, that Vlahovic transfer, that's, that wouldn't be easy for any manager to handle. And he's really handled that like a proper boss. No, he has. Both it's Cabral, the system. Yeah. I mean, Cabral and Piontek kind of stepped in and kind of filled that void, maybe not to the level of Vlahovic level goals, but they're scoring, right? So it's been pretty impressive. Yep. What do you think, um, Richard? 
Uh, I mean, I, I agree with both of you guys. I mean, I, I, I like Mancini, what he's doing right now, and I think he needs the opportunity to kind of see this through and see if he can react and do better, and I believe he can. Um, but, you know, if there was a successor, I would like to see Vincenzo Italiano for sure because I think he would be a, a seamless transition, I think, and I think he could bring that new attacking energy that, you know, Italy needs so badly. Um, but I, I kind of feel like Anthony that they're going to go pragmatic and go for defense and really kind of lock things up, uh, you know, Depending on what Allegri does at Juventus, you know, don't discount him as well because he he likes to play defensive football. Um, but so it's, I, I feel they they won't take that chance. They took that chance with Ventura, and now they're like, eh, let's just be safe for now. I don't know. We'll see what Mancini Mancini does right now. But uh, it, Vincenzo Tolliano, I like it. I think he's yeah. a uh, going to be a fantastic coach going down the stretch here and or for many years to come. And so whether he's with the Azzurri or Juventus or whomever, uh, I think he'll do well. So no doubt about it. George asking, could it be that Italy felt too much pressure to qualify after winning the Euros? I I would say I the they, opposite. I think, I think they felt too would, much football. I think they felt too much football in their legs. That's what they felt. I think they're I mean, the the you know, we, the shoulder was gone. How many won. of these guys? Yeah, how many of these guys played every three days for yeah. what for nine a, months, ten <laughs> months, for a long, long period of time? Like I said on our last podcast, you got to remember that this is all. These are all piled. These competitions are all piled up at an unprecedented level because of the because of the pandemic. Okay, so you know usually you go and you play a major international tournament. Even if you do get all the way to the final, these clubs are fine with you not coming back for like four or five weeks. And with the season starting and with everything being as important as it was in a quick turnaround, they weren't you know they weren't given that long of a break. Um, you know, so no, George, you're not you're not silly for asking that. Um, I don't think there was, I don't think there was pressure. Um, I think you know, and, and I'll, I'll reiterate this, Anthony, because I never got your take on it. But I, I thought continuing to rely on the tried and trusted, and it's hard to blame Mancini for doing that, but continuing to rely on the guys that 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 got you a major international trophy, um, and not going with the guys that we're in better form. For example, at the striker position, um, you know, not have, you know, with, you know, and it's a damned if you do damned, if you don't think giving Raspadori the chance in against North Macedonia over Immobile or, or going with somebody that had the potential to produce, because I think the more you played the same guys over time, the easier it was to find this team out a little bit. Um, and for me, I just didn't find I, you know, I just wanted to see some kind of rotation, some kind of freshening that included players that that included players that were in really good form. Yeah, uh, I like the comment that George says, but I would have to say I think it might be the opposite. I don't think they felt enough pressure. They gave way too much respect to a lot of those opponents. We had, what, four qualifying games to go to get through five games tops after we won the yeah. Euros, and we bombed it against Switzerland. We bombed it against Bulgaria. We bombed it against Northern Ireland as well. These are games that we should have won, three out of three, and we decided to not win any of them. So I, I, I think a lot more pressure would have been exactly what these boys needed after still coming off the hangover of winning a major tournament. Tournament. Yeah. So it, I guess that, the, and the only way to know is if you're a member of that dressing room and that backroom staff, like are the vibes the same going into those World Cup qualifiers the same way they were going into that major Euro tournament because there was business to be taken care of and it wasn't taken care of. But now, it, once again, we start from square one and 
you know, we are Italia at the end of the day. Our, our history will speak for itself. It's just a shame that you have to give up such a large chunk of your life. You gentlemen have kids as well. You're probably hoping to have your kids enjoy Italia in a major tournament. That would suck. But yeah, it, it sucks all around, doesn't it? It's all right, yeah, George. Rich, we, 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 we revisiting the Italy stuff has got Richard Crack opening <laughs> another beer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, let's, segue. Go, let's get back to this. We can get back to this. Back to this league. Yeah. Back to the league. Back, well, speaking of cracking beers right. and reasons to crack beers, uh, Milan, Frank, not finding a way to win again or get a result uh, when it matters uh, against Torino. The game wasn't that impressive, honestly. Um, maybe unless you're a Torino fan, I think. Milan failed to create many opportunities. Salamakers is not the answer. Obviously, Diaz is not as well. Uh, Rafa Leao really didn't do much. Teo Hernandez didn't do much, but dive. It, it, was, it wasn't a great performance for Milan. Bagnon um, had some big saves in the game, but thoughts on, on the result 0-0? It's not the worst result in the world, but it's not ideal. <sighs> um. Outside of the top four, this is Torino's the best defense in the league, and obviously that's spearheaded by Bramer. Um, so one, you're having a hard time scoring goals. Now you got to go to an opponent that is really hard to score on. So, you know, so right off the bat, right off the bat, there are problems. Um, but this is a team, I think that. I think that Brian Diaz can just, he's just easy to take out of a game. Um, and then if Rafael Leao is not linking up and if he's not doing more dynamic things, this Milan team gets very, very predictable very quick because then it just becomes an over reliance on Teo Hernandez. Forget about Olivier Giro. There's no chance against Bramer. Um, you know, Bramer's it's today. right. Um, so for me, it's something has got to, there's got to be something creative here. There's got to be, and you know, I think it was a blow to Milan's prospects to not have a handful of guys not available for this game. I believe Rebic wasn't, Rebic didn't make the trip. Um, you know, Ibrahimovic has been out, but I mean, I mean, how much we're, we're not really relying too much on him anymore. Um, and again, you know, I'm starting to, I'm starting to sound like everybody else in Milan Twitter. We don't have a right winger, <laughs> Join so us. we we don't have anybody that. And for a while, I was I was thinking we're getting away with it. We're patching it up. Messias can once in a while show up with his quality, but he's been found out. Salamakers yeah. is a wingback. He's not a he's not a winger. Yeah. Okay, and that's, that's why hard. the you know that's why the explanation for why he struggles so much in the final third. Um, being asked to do some things that, you know, he never really did at Anderlecht. Uh, so now you're asking him to do it in Serie A against Serie A teams, some of them that, oh, by the way, can defend pretty well too. So, um, I mean, it, it's, it was a perfect storm. You're struggling to score. You're playing an opponent that doesn't let a lot of people score to begin with. Uh, it was going to be really challenging to get goals. Uh, if, Milan have anything redeeming going for them right now. Um, nobody's scoring on them. Okay. And it's in it. It's not, it's not luck either. No. One day it's the combination of Kalulu and Tamori in the back, keeping forwards quiet, keeping them out of the game. 
And when they're not doing it, Mayan's making saves. So um, they at least have that going for them where they're defending well, they're not conceding anything easy. Um, You know, similar to... Similar to Inter, Inter defend, especially over the last couple of games, Inter defending really well. This is, these are the reasons why I think that Napoli is going to be the first team to fall off the pace. Okay. Because they're shaking up their personnel. Koulibaly still back there, but you have fullbacks that aren't the, you know, that aren't the defenders that Di Lorenzo was and what he offered. So I, you know, yeah, this stinks. Eventually Inter is going to get caught up and, and overtake them on points, but if there's anything that's redeeming right now for Milan is that they're not conceding goals. They've become very difficult to score on throughout this process. They just got to find a way to finish. Yeah. And, you know, I was having this kind of, I can't remember who I talked with on Twitter. They've got difficult games from here on out, but the, it was a Napoli supporter, I believe. And he said, Milan win against good teams. So, yeah. you know, they're going to see a series yep. of them the rest of the way. Let's hope they're right. Yeah. Anthony, I want to say you're the neutral person here, but you're obviously not as an Inter supporter. <laughs> what are your thoughts uh, from the Milan-Torino game today? What, what did you see from either Torino or Milan? Well, I woke up this morning because um, Daylight Savings in Sydney started last weekend, but my dog, Rhodesian Ridgeback, very clever. You can't Even Mother Nature can't slip one past him. So he's been waking up an hour earlier than normal, which means he gets me up an hour earlier than normal. So, But I wasn't complaining, so I got to tune in right from the start of this game at about 4.50 a.m. this morning. And I really, really enjoyed it because I think Torino under Ivan Juric after Italiano just might be a shout for the second most improved team this season. Yeah. They play really solid however you take Bremer out of that side and they are going to ship a lot more goals this guy is incredible the last time I was on here I think we did our uh, the team of the season so far and I think Bremer was the unanimous one between the three that he was yeah. the, the best center back in the league and oh yeah he's just gotten better as the season goes on whether it's Inter Milan or Juve who gets him that's probably the most important signing of of the Mercato coming up yeah. I'm already thinking yeah. of an Inter defense with Bastoni Skrinia and um Bremer and if that's the case man you can play I don't give an f up front man and you you automatically become title contenders with that sort of defense it's crazy he's a really good player but that sort of seems like the sort of thing that Serie A clubs might be rumored to sign him for a certain period of time for a long period of time and then bang in 24 hours Bayern Munich come and get the signature or a Premier League club club comes along and gets the signature and that wouldn't surprise me one bit either um for Milan it was tough because today was a very tough game. Frank was saying you got hard games coming up. This one was one of the hardest ones of the bunch. These guys have been troublesome for Juve, troublesome for us. They'll be troublesome for Napoli in a couple of weeks' time as well. Torino are a very, very good side, a very good side. And I think that this morning's result was obviously a lot more expected. It just hurts more because you guys couldn't put Bologna away uh, last week. Yeah, yeah. Every result now just compiles on one another. I don't think you guys were terrible today, but you did look out of ideas, especially as the game went on. It really was about, it. can one of uh, Rafael Leao or Tio Hernandez produce some heroics? I just want to ask both of you how poetically crap for both of you would have been if Pele, you just see when Pellegrini made his one run right, and turned the defender in. and shot it right <laughs> at Manyan. As he was pulling it up, I was like, I can oh, see no. the bottom right corner. I'm like, the bottom right corner is free. I'm like, oh, that's shocking. But yeah, that would have been funny. Tomorrow, I want to answer beat, beat like that almost. Oh. I want to answer Football Worldwide's question about Pioli is right man. I. I'm one of three people who supported the Pioli appointment when it happened. Um, 
we we call it Pioli Island. It was myself, it was Michael Lisi, and it was uh, Sabrina. Uh, Sabrina, Sabrina Belmonte. Yep. Uh, we were the only three. Um, this is like, okay, an actual manager. We're not recycling a former Milan player to try to write this ship or anything like that. We're bringing in uh, Milan have, and I said this on Twitter several weeks ago. When you look at it on paper, as far as talent is concerned, Milan might be the fifth most talented team in this league. Sixth, maybe even. And he's got, he's had them in first for all this. He's had them in first and he had them contending for a title for all this time. Pioli is 100% not the problem. When players have a dip in form, the manager is not the problem. The players are the problem. Okay. And it's just, it's a depth issue, as Cambalasso says. Um, and it's a, okay, time to come up with some ideas. Okay, now the, 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 I, I will say this: there is a little bit of a burden on Pioli here to come up with some fresh ideas here, come up with something different. Okay, Brahim Diaz to me is a guy that you bring in for the last thirty minutes when the game is nil right. nil. Energy. Okay, guy. and you bring him, you bring him in after the other team's, you know, center backs, much like in the derby. Okay, Anthony, where you know. Brian Diaz didn't start the game. The whole point was let's wear Brozovic down and then we can bring Brian Diaz in to run at him and wear and, and bring yep. him down a little bit. And that's part of how the how that derby turned around. For me, Diaz needs to be a super sub. Play Tonali a little higher. Okay. And then play Kessie. And you didn't have Benesser available for this game yeah, too. Benesser's been really good over the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, so you know, and have some, I mean. Hell, he he loves Roddy Krunich. Play start Roddy Krunich. I mean, you know the rest of us don't. But if you're going to love a guy that much, go ahead and start him at this point. Yeah, I, I at the beginning of the season, I picked Milan to win the Scudetto, and people looked at me. People said to me like, "What's wrong with you? Milan has no talent. What talent do they have?" And I'm like, "It's Pioli. Pioli knows. Look what he did last year with the team. He's gonna. They're only gonna improve. Everyone's gonna be a year older under Pioli's system. They're only gonna do better. That's why I had confidence. They finished second last year with that team, yeah. and they, again this year they're gonna contend. And look where they are right now. It's Pioli. Pioli's doing a really good job. I agree. The depth is terrible on this team, or not that great, I should say. It's, it, it's okay, um, but yeah, I, I think Pioli is fine. Um, you know, if they were somehow to shit the bed and finish fourth, I'd still say they're fine, right? I, I think he is a decent manager now. Will they get them to the title? I don't know. We'll see. The, this this next game will be a big tell, I think, for both Napoli and Milan, yep. right? And uh, if they react, then yeah, you know, this team can contend. And if it goes down to the wire, that's what you want to see, at least if you're a Milan fan, right? Yeah, you want to win the Scudetto, but I think Pioli is the guy to do it. He's What he's done at Milan, this has been – we joke, we joked about Mifford when he got hired, is that like every manager sometimes finds their team, right? And then they, they, it's a team that they finally – everything comes together. They learn how to – he learns how to manage, and they just hit the right button. And I think Pioli, this is his team, right? He's had some good teams in the past, but never worked out for him for whatever reason. I think someone mentioned this many pods ago is that maybe the Astori effect, he really learned how to bring Fiorentina together after that death of their captain. Uh, and I think he learned a lot about himself, what, how to bring teams together after that event happened. And since then, he's been a different manager. And it's shown with Milan how he's really through difficult times. He's brought this team together between him and then the two leaders of Kiar and, and uh, Ibrahimovic. They really brought these youngsters along and taught them a lot. And that's the only reason they're at where they're at is because of Pioli and those two guys. So I don't think he's a problem at all. I think he is the right, right manager. So we'll see if he gets the title, but I think he is a, a fantastic manager. Are we seeing 
with Lazio. Let's talk about Lazio for a minute here, guys. Mm. Um, I think we all expected this exact path with them under Maurizio Sarri. It was going to be a tough scene at the beginning because there was a lot of adaptation. It's a formation switch. It's a methodology switch. It's a, it's, it's a lot. So what is he saying? He said his friend went forever to NYC to see Milan and then went today to watch them play crap Trino. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of angry drinking going on over there. Yeah. So, um, We expected this. We expected this path for Lazio. Now they're playing, and now they're playing at a high level. I mean, let's just face it. This is a Genoa team that nobody could figure out how to beat. Everybody tied them, you know. Yeah, and Lazio, yeah. Lazio ripped them apart today. Um, is this the springboard? Let's ask this question about Lazio. Is this the springboard for a top four push for next season, or are players going to get lost now? And Sardi has to rebuild, and we're going to be looking at this exact same path all over again next season. Richard, what do you think is more likely? I, th- I I feel the same way about Lazio as I do about Roma. I thought that this year there would struggle. There would be an improvement, especially mentality-wise, but I thought next year would be the year we really saw the improvement from those two clubs, and I still believe that. I think Lazio are certainly going to be contenders for Scudetto next year. Or Excuse, excuse me, excuse me, top four. Top four. Um but I think, yeah, even if they lose some players, I think that gives, hopefully, you know, Lotito will spend some money and get the players that Sadi wants, you know, especially if you sell some players, you bring some players in that more fit his mold. Yeah, his team now has started to learn what how he wants the team to play. But if you lose some guys, he can bring in some of his own guys. And I think it'll continue the progression where that we've seen over this year. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to be in a top four contention next year. Um, there's some awfully good teams this year. Obviously, we're going to talk about Atalanta here in a minute because they've dropped, but there are going to be a lot of good teams next year. It's going to be hard, but you're probably looking at six, maybe seven teams fighting for the top four next year. Uh, and that just shows the strength of the league, but Lazio is definitely going to be improved next year. Believe me. Anthony, what do you see with Lazio? Is this a sign that they're a legit top four contender next season, or is this going to be, are we going to see this same path next season over players like Sergei Milinkovic Savage, for example, you know, who's mm-hmm. going to attract some attention, um, you know, and then what does Lotito do with that money? Richard makes a good point. You can just take that money and reinvest and get guys that continue to fit Saudi's mold. What do you think? I think my friend Bruno on football worldwide also makes a good point. Like Lotito doesn't really want to spend money, but expects results. I think it really comes down to how many players Saudi loses, because I think he's been good this season. And I think, you know, they've got 12 out points in their last 15. I think that's a really good showing that the team has come through some adversity this season because pragmatic wise and tactics wise, Saudi's a pretty difficult manager to adjust to. He's very old fashioned, very stubborn as well. And to see them playing, you know, we always knew they'd be one of the more inconsistent sides this season, but they're finding form at the right point of the season. If they can win enough games to go into next season, occupying maybe fifth or sixth, I think that'll really go go well for them next season, just playing European football. They need to keep Milinkovic, Savic and Immobile because just for cult reasons and for obviously for, appear, um, for output reasons, they're their two best players at the club. Sari and Lotito should not be in a position where they need to gamble away one of these chips. They should be looking to coop money elsewhere and continue to build around Chiro and SMS. You take one of them out of the equation, 
And I think that's more like a one step forward, two steps back this season for Sadi. I'm really impressed with the way Sadi and Mourinho have managed to keep their sides in the nitty gritty of that Europa League spot towards the end of this season because it could have been very, very easy for one of them to drop out. Granted, Atalanta have been trash, um, but it's still been a very good um, good, 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 good job on Sadi's end. I'm quite impressed with the way he's been able to keep Lazio there. Biggest need for me for Lazio is a guy that, I mean, if you can keep Sergei, you can keep Luis Alberto. They've never figured out the third part of that midfield. Yeah. Um, and, mm. and, and, and Lucas Leva ain't it. Um, I, they, they had some, they, they, they tried Escalante and it's been with middling results. They got to get a solid guy in there that can, that can protect the back four. Somebody that, can be Jorginho without necessarily being commanding Jorginho money. The next, you know, the young guy that can be that. Um, it probably would not hurt for them to shuffle uh, to, to maybe get a little bit of a refresh at the center back position too. Um, a chair, he's a little long in the tooth. He's played a lot of games. You know, he still pops up and has his moments. Um, Luis Felipe has been decent. Um, I don't see the hype that everybody else has for him. Um, you know, but, uh, I, I, you know, they could, they could use another center back that could short things up there and it probably wouldn't hurt them to have a fullback. I think those are the key areas where they've got to get a little bit better. Uh, cause the, you know, when they still have to play against some of the big boys, I mean, Roma just battered them three nil. So, yeah. um, I think that still has, uh, need for improvement. Um, so if they're going to invest that those are the areas that they probably want to consider investing in. So, mm. um, Anyway, uh, and Cambi also makes an excellent point. Lazio can't milk the Immobile cow forever. And yeah, I mean, we talk about teams that are dependent on one man's goals to be successful. Cagliari with Joao Pedro. Um, Lazio with Ciro Immobile. Those are the two that absolutely stand out, you know, over the rest of them. Uh, when you take a look at some of these other teams, Inter can rely on a bunch of people. Um, Roma can rely on a bunch of people. Uh, Napoli um, can, can't rely on Osimhen because he's always getting knocked here and knocked there and can't can't stay fit. Uh, so they rely on a variety of players. So in, in Milan, they don't score a lot, but it's when it when it happens, it's been a, it's been from a variety of sources. It hasn't been from the same guy. So um, yeah, so so uh, so Paul makes a great point there. Um, the other one, uh, the other team I wanted to talk about here, and we're going to try to move this along. Um, actually, I'm going to take this all the way down to the relegation. Uh, Salernitana is probably in the grave already. Um, yep. Venezia, Genoa, very concerned for Venezia with those lovely kids. I I saw that Venezia, some of that Venezia Udinese game, and I saw a packed crowd for Venezia Udinese. Come on, these we got to find a way. Even if they yeah, finish bottom three, got to find a way to still keep Venezia up. Yeah, I yeah. mean, how good is that for the league? Yeah, uh, to get that kind of support, you know, when when they've got every, you know, when they're they're completely up against it at this point. Now they do have a game in hand on Cagliari, uh, who right now sit above the drop. And I saw George in here a little bit ago, um, you know, but. Let's ask this question about relegation. And Anthony, I'll start with you on this one. Um, are the bottom three the three that are going to go down, or do you still see a surprise yet? 
I think we're set, barring really poor performances from Cagliari between now and the end of the season. They weren't even that bad against Juve. They just want, when they need to go for it, they can't really go for it. They don't have the motivation to go for it. I really think that they should survive. It's going to be disappointing to see Venezia go back down. Uh, to be honest, I sort of wanted one of Genoa or Cagliari to be relegated at the start of the season. I said it on my own show. I feel like there's a couple of clubs in a 20-team league that are sort of mooching a spot um, yeah. because they've been really crap the last few seasons and haven't been behaving like top-tier clubs. And I think if we were to cut the league down to 18 teams, those two would have been two of the first to go back down anyway. So Genoa, I like what they're doing under their new coach, Blessing. How do you pronounce his last name again? I forget. Blessing. Blessing, Blessing. That's the one. Um, but too little, too late. You know, they've got, they've actually got um, five points in their last, out of their last 12, I think, five, five out of their last 15, which isn't dire if you're in relegation form, but too little, too late. They're not going to survive the drop, in my opinion. As you said, disappointing about Venezia, Hipster FC, but you know we, we, we care more about their kits and their surroundings than we care about their actual football. And it's just boys boys trying to, against men. But they still might be able to survive it because Cagliari have five losses on the bounce. Who knows? They could continue to lose and continue to lose. And we could see either Venezia or Genoa just slip out of those spots. I think if Sampdoria didn't have that game in hand, they'd still be in the debate. But I don't think Sampdoria is going to be relegated. Yeah. I still think Richard, Richard, I still think Spezia is part of this conversation with that, with that brutal finishing slate. Now, yeah. the draw against Empoli, the win against Venezia are huge for them. Yes. Because it puts them on it puts them on, I believe, 33 points. But they host <laughs> Inter on Friday at Torino, host Lazio, host Atalanta at Udinese, host Napoli. That is Ooh. as brutal <laughs> as it gets. They're still in this conversation. Yeah, they are. In my opinion. But, but they might have played their way to safety over the last two weeks. That's it. I think I don't think Genoa and certainly not Salernitana, but or Venezia can get the points needed just to pass. Especially could lose the rest of their games, and I don't think they, they have 11 points in them the remainder of the way. I don't. Yep. I, I, as much as I want to see Venezia stay up, um, I don't think they have enough. Now, can they catch up to Cagliari? <laughs> We'll see. I think there's too much talent in Cagliari. If you look at this talent alone, Cagliari has more talent than, than Venezia and Genoa. But it doesn't always matter about talent, right? We've seen talented teams go down before. Um, I just – Venezia are way too inconsistent. They they did get on a really good stretch early in the season, but they have been struggling. People have found them out. Um, everyone's found Salaritana. Obviously, they're going to go down. But um, – Genoa, yeah, you know, Blessings does some nice things there, and but unfortunately, like like Anthony says, too little, too late. And I don't think Cagliari or Sampdoria, for that matter, or even Spetsdale are going to do that bad enough that they're going to be caught by those two. No, I mean, obviously things could change, but you know, if if you if I if I was betting man, which I'm not because I am not good at that kind of stuff like you, Frank, but uh, I would say you know I I would take Cagliari. <laughs> you better than me. You win sometimes. I never win. Uh, I, had I, good mas- I had a good, I had a good Masters week, but I, I, I <laughs> football lately I've been struggling. Yeah, so I, I would say I would take Cagliari over the other two, other three, I should say, in the regulation fight. And I think the bottom three are the bottom three. Yeah. May twenty second, match day thirty eight, Venezia host Cagliari. Lord, um, isn't it? God, let Ironic, those two be within three points of each other. Yeah, that would. I want them to be tied. Imagine them be Let's, tied. Yeah, let them be tied. That would be Absolutely. amazing. Absolutely. 
how game of the week George cover your ears. Yeah, we would that would be our we would lead with that game. Yeah, at the end I of do the a live stream. They, I do a oh, live stream. and uh, a fun fact in the in the return fixture, it was one all in Sardinia, so literally all to play for, all the head to head and everything. Yep, wow, there you go. So we could be we could be uh down to having you know the most expensive game in Serie A be on match week 38 and it be between Venezia and Cagliari and not with not involving anybody in the top four. So, oh, Unreal. Unreal. let's, uh, let's, let's hope that's like a one, two point, maybe tied going into match week 38 and that they're, uh, th- that all the chips are on the table. So we'll see long time between, uh, between now and then, uh, Richard, anything else we need to hit up on with this? Uh, yeah, with this I like Anthony's opinion on what the hell is going on with Atalanta. They've seen yeah. like a team that could have won a Scudetto this year, and now they're free falling, might not even make Europe altogether. Man, their eggs are in the Europa League basket now, but there's cause yeah. and effect for getting to that point. They've been disastrous in the league. Now, they've copped a, a couple of pretty bad injuries. you got to remember, players like Zapata and Iacic were instrumental in this side for the last few seasons. Iacic has been so hot and cold on and off the field with his issues. Mm-hmm. Zapata has had injuries. Uh, I don't think Gasperini has necessarily started his strongest players Um in, in his fixtures this season. They've just had a host of really, really disappointing results. They got pumped by Napoli in Bergamo. The draw against Genoa wasn't good. This result isn't good as well. And they're just, they're not playing like a side that should have even been in the Scudetto conversation, but they were. They were at the start of the season. There was a period of time where they had a game in hand and could have gone outright second, but it's just really fallen apart since then. There's a couple of shout-outs I've got to go to some of their players that have had some really good performances individually. I think Demiral has been fantastic this yeah. season at the back. I think that's a huge loss for Juve. And I said that at the start of the season on many platforms. I go, this is a horrible decision. This is one of your worst decisions in the back room. And people were saying, oh, he wouldn't get any minutes anyway. I'm like, well, then that means Italy winning the Euro really was one of the worst things that could have happened for you guys because you've gone into this season with the illusion that Chiellini and Bonucci is almost enough. Plus a delict, but it hasn't been. But that's a conversation for another topic. <laughs> I really, really like um Toon Um, he came he comes from Alkmaar in the Netherlands, which is just a really nice city in general to be to if anyone's been. And you know, the Dutch players have always got a another layer of discipline and efficiency and professionalism um over them, and that's why I really like him. And uh, still, if you were to tell me, Anthony, take your pick out of anybody in the league to sign, uh, Malinowski would still be a top three pick for me. I don't know where he fits in under Inzaghi. I don't care. I just really like him that much, and I would love for him to come in. So some individual players in Napoli, uh, sorry, in Atalanta still having a good season. The Gasparini system has burst in Serie A, and now they're coming, what, are they eighth now? Are they below Fiorentina? They, they are, are, aren't they? They are. They're eighth, they yeah. are below Fiorentina. So they are out of European spots now. And with their game in hand, they still won't even scratch the surface of top four. They really threw away what could have been a tight tussle between Juve and themselves for fourth position. And yep. Juve should be counting their lucky stars, as should maybe the three of us as well, because we have yep. not been that great this season. And in another season with less injuries, maybe Atalanta would still be swimming about. Yeah. Agreed. I think that um, I, you know, I've been saying it all along. I think, I think, I think Europa League, it's all in. And uh, looking at their lineup today would suggest that Maranchuk starting over Malinovsky. Um You had Pasolic and Piscina playing together 
in the midfield. Both of those guys are probably better suited in more advanced roles when this system is set up. So guys like Cope Miners was on the bench. Uh, I, Froiler was hurt. Daron was suspended. So that was another thing that they don't have some of their – and that's the thing. Those two center midfielders in that 3-4-2-1 that, that, that Gasparini likes to play, he doesn't have a lot of tacklers in that – in those roles. You know, he, you know, guy, ball winning players. He has, you know, Darun and Freuler and that's it. And when he doesn't have both of them, they get exposed. Yeah. Kuhnmanner sometimes plays that position because he's very versatile, but he's not the tackler that those two are for sure. No, he's not. Um, yeah. yeah Mela was on the bench. I think Mela is valuable, more valuable than Giuseppe Pizzella. You know, mm. see, a lot of this is you got to take a look at who he's playing out there. I actually think Scalvini's useful, and I think he's got yeah, a future. I do, do. I do um, you know, but I, I think in a in a vacuum when it's an important game, Palomino's going to play over him. So, so if if Atalanta win Europa League, they go in the Champions League. They knock out Juve if Juve are fourth. What's that? If Atalanta win, no Europa way. League, no, 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 that'll be five teams. Oh, you sure? I see you happy, brother. Come on. I and, and, and they'd be a seeded team. The Europa League winner goes into pot one. Because I remember years ago, and it could have changed since then, but I remember years ago where Chelsea won the Europa League, knocked out whoever was fourth place in your and your an English league, and they became fourth and that team went out to Europa League. So that I was real- a long time ago. They've changed it. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's Spain. That'd be something. Spain has it? had five teams. Spain <laughs> has had five teams in the Champions League in the last couple of seasons. Oh, they deserve it. <laughs> um, sure. Um, so yeah, if Atalanta, yeah, yeah. if Atalanta can win the Europa League, Italy will have five teams in the Champions League, okay. and Atalanta would go into Pot One as a seeded team because the Europa League winner, Champions League winner, and that is the and that is the league winners of the top six leagues. If they're not a if they're not in there as a Champions League or Europa League winner. How much money do you get as a Europa League winner? I know Champions League gets a boatload of money, but how much does the Europa League winner get? I'm sure it's a decent amount. It's all right. Um, I I looked at it a long, long time ago. Enough to sign a, a, another gem like Melanovsky or Moranchek or Coop Miners or something like that. But I mean, yeah, that's – but but to your point, do you ever hear of any of these guys? Yeah. Before they're Atalanta players. I mean, I, I I knew a little bit about Miranchuk and I knew a little bit about Coop Miners, but some of these other guys, Melanovsky, I'd. Yeah. No, no idea. Pasalic um, was a, a bum everywhere he would play, basically, right? And he goes to there and he becomes a star. And Ilicic, he was good before, but, um, you know, yeah, they do some magical things there with talent. They're, Udinese used to be this way, right? Udinese used to be the way they, they found these gems. Alexi Sanchez, right? They found him, right? And Toto Di Natale, obviously. So, got it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's just one one last thing to wrap about Atalanta. Do they beat? Let's just make it quick. Do they beat RB Leipzig on Thursday? Do they go through to the semis? I say yes. Yeah, I'm gonna say yes. I want to say yes as well. Yeah, yeah. Two one. I'll go two one. So, um, so they'll be in the semifinals. They'll get. And I think Roma loses the both a glimpse. Just saying. Oh. They no, I think they turn that around. I think that comes mind back games. here and Roma wins. Mind Me games. too. I think mind games. So, yeah. So we'll we'll have at least we'll have semifinalists in the Europa in the Conference League. We just need to figure out that Champions Let's hope. League. Let's so, hope. Well, while we still got Anthony. We had we, last time we had him. We, he didn't get a chance to weigh in on who won Calcio Twitter. So we are going to do that now. The world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Richard, take it away. 
All right. Uh, starting off, uh, so the original tweet was uh, from just Juve. Uh, so, oh, average Juventino guy said uh, the brother of Milinkovic, Sergei Milinkovic Savic is at this moment in Torino. And uh, just Juve with the eyes like, uh oh. And so, uh, football, uh, Daltonico said, yeah, Ecolo. It's, uh, it's the goalie from Torino. Technically, <laughs> <laughs> he's right. <laughs> that was pretty funny. We actually got a nomination prior to that on April 6th. This oh, was yeah? not part of our contest from last week. So, let me jump back to that. Uh, I'm assuming Stevie Palillo is nominating at Pakebach. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Alexis Salamecker's 21 22 future of AC Milan. <laughs> And he's back kicking. He's trying to get the ball. He gets the ironing board. Not good. Uh, yeah, that's that's Salamacher's in the attacking third in a nutshell. Yes, yes, yes. So, all right. Well, this moving on. That one. Moving on. Uh, official Napoli said coming soon. Ten or four ten twenty two, uh, and it's a picture of the hooded sweater. And so, uh, uh, Giov uh, at Giov Wastekin says, "Il dildo Meridano quando?" So the dildo of Meridano when? <sighs> God. Oh my! God. I'm not. I, I I I don't know if I the tweet or if if Presidente nominating this is more disgusting to me. <laughs> Presidente, I hold to a higher standard than this. So he was hacked. He probably had to be. Had to be. All right. So we move on to at Beyonders 2014. Uh, he calls himself the future Napoli soccer president and leader, calling Spalletti <laughs> the Napoli of coaches. <laughs> Spalletti is a Napoli of coaches. All right. Oh, all right. Always the, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I think never that's the, the bride. That's the point of that one. So, oh, so, so Sansoni comes in and says, Loris, please alleviate the rage I have in my heart for Chucky Lozano, pointing to the uh, where the open play was. Uh, and then you watch it in play when he has this guy wide open and he hits his defender. <laughs> Chucky's <laughs> destiny is Real or Man City, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite with passes like that. No. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, at B Denisa underscore, someone breathing near Teo Hernandez. Teo Hernandez. <laughs> oh, brother, Even I, as a Milan fan, have to laugh at that. Yeah, what is it true? It is true. It is true. It is true. All um, right. This one comes from the ghost of Jackie. Uh, sports, the biggest rivalry. So, you got Sampras, uh, Sampras McEnroe. Uh, you got that's Schumacher. Agassi. Uh, Agassi, excuse Agassi. me. Agassi. Yeah, Agassi. Yeah. Uh, Schumacher and Schumacher I guess Astana, I can't tell. Uh, <laughs> Frazier Ali. Bodo Glimt. Roma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Roma. Poor Roma. All right. Anthony, uh, you do the honors as our guest. You get to pick the winner of who won Calcio Twitter. Uh, I'd prefer if we had a mutual winner because that, that's a tough one to decide, man. I, I really liked all the Napoli tweets that were involved because it was always going to be fire coming straight from them. Uh, the, the Spalletti is the Napoli of coaches is probably the one that's closest to the truth out of any of these. So it's not the most entertaining, nor is it the most visually appeal appealing. It's probably the one with the with the least amount of graphics, but there's a lot of truth behind that it's one especially blunt. Uh, yeah. like you don't you don't need to give this one the win this week but i'll tell you what put it on standby because it could very well become the cultural twitter winner of the year if they bomb the scudetto man it could be that much truth behind that statement but um other than that i like the teo hernandez one as well just for sentimental reasons all right <laughs> All right, so you're 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 liking you're liking the Teo tweet and you're liking the uh, Spalletti tweet. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
No, it's hard for me. Um, the the tail tweet is mildly amusing. I've got to say that. So, <laughs> I also like I also like the uh, the uh, the Bodo Glimpteroma one. So yeah, that that was a good one too. Uh, I like the um, I, I do like the Malenkovich Savage one. That is funny. <laughs> but uh, let's see. Let's go with tiebreaker here. Ooh, I am gonna say. I say Spalletti is the Napoli of coaches. I like that. I like it. <laughs> Short and sweet. Simple, Short and blunt. Sweet. You know, sometimes you just, that's all you got to do to get to a point. So, <laughs> all right. So at Beyonders 2014, you have won Calcio Twitter for the week. Um, this might be a, uh, I know that Anthony, you got to get going. So this might be a good time to, to turn you loose here, uh, one last opportunity to uh, plug anything you wish to plug to our listeners and viewers. Um, if you guys like the Inter content or if you're an Inter fan, please, by all means, uh, subscribe and like. Come over to Inter Worldwide where we do plenty of content week in, week out. Match previews, match reviews, all things Inter. Some special guests here and there as well. And Football Worldwide uh, with myself and the crew. And we've always got some good things to talk about there as well. But thank you so much, Frank and Richie, for having me back on again. Very, very enjoyable. And I love I love your guys' work. We all do in the culture sphere. So thank you so much. Well, Pleasure to have you on, Anthony. Congrats yeah. on your second cap with us at Zedia Sit Down. Uh, the third one is not going to be too far away. Yeah, and hopefully we can link up with you on your shows. Yeah, hundred percent. Maybe Sounds the invite, good, will, maybe the invite will arrive in my in my mail this time. So I don't steal it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. It was very very enjoyable. All right, Thank Anthony. You, great sir. having you. Take care. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> All right. Uh, well. That was Anthony Privatera, uh yeah. for the second time uh, in this season, no less. So uh, great stuff from him, as always. Great insight. Absolutely. So, um, again, at Beyonders2014, our winner of Who Won Calcio Twitter for the week. Well played, sir. Um, I think with that, Richard, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down, unless you do want to chime in on your goals of the week. Um, we didn't get to that, but, I mean, I – I, I can't get past the uh, Carlos Perez goal for Roma. Um, probably oh, being tops for me. That's not even my top five. Um, yeah, I'll do mine you're, real quick. Real you're, quick. Tough, you're tough to impress, man. I am. So my my fifth one is two goalie saves. Montipo on Perisic and Sirigu on Felipe Anderson. I thought they were phenomenal saves. Number oh, wow. Five, I don't even have that, those on my list. Yeah. I have a goalie save on my list. Number five, Delict from Cuadrado. I like that a lot. Cuadrado's move was, I think, really, really good. Uh, Jao Pedro's goal at number three, Barella at number sure. two, and then Cabral, the winner for me. Okay. Um, I am going with, uh, I already said Carlos Perez's goal is goal of the week for me. Um, Cabral's number two. The Radovanovic free kick, free kick is good. number three. Yeah. Um, I am going to go with Hamid Traore's first goal as number four mm. uh, for Sassuolo. And number five for me, Thomas Strakoja's save on Ostegaard. Yeah, that was uh, nice. early that's on nice. in the game. I mean, that's that's got goal written all over it. That was yeah. fantastic. So uh, so I'll go with that as my goal slash saves of the week. Um, and with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of City I Sit Down. Richard, anything else for the people? Um, no, just make sure you follow Anthony, uh, not only his own personal account, but also into worldwide and football worldwide. And then, uh, yeah, uh, you can follow me at R underscore K H A R M A N anywhere on the social media sphere. Nice one. I am at FTC underscore 21. 
Sidia set down our own channel on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there is podcasts. There is Syria Sit Down. You can also follow us on Twitter at Syria Sit Down and at Syria Sit Down on Instagram as well. Uh, if you have a nominee for Who Won Calcio Twitter, just hashtag Who Won Calcio Twitter, all one word. Keep it clean, keep it fun. Uh, don't make it offensive. Uh, we will read it on the next podcast. So, and we will also give you a. Um, uh, a nod for the nomination as well. So if you like that kind of thing and like having your name read on a, on a uh, public show, then by all means do it. So, uh, we will be back with you next Tuesday night, April 19th, uh, presumably 9 PM Eastern time, unless otherwise noted, uh, Richard, you game for that. Let's do it. Yep. I would like to, uh, on behalf, I would like. Well, like I'll allow since Richard's here, he can he can do he can do the same. Uh, but I want to wish everyone a happy Easter, happy Holy Week. Um, enjoy the Calcio. Uh, remember, there's going to be Friday and Saturday games, but then no games on Easter Sunday. That's a tradition that they uh, they do it. Um, and the uh, Napoli Roma game is in fact next Monday the 18th. Uh, so uh, that gives you the schedule for next week. Um, Until then, we'll see you on the 19th. For Richard, I'm Frank. Make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.